mind, body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack Life, Not Others is an insight into that life with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. One of the biggest problems in society these days is bullying, especially amongst uh, you know the younger population in schools. And it's starting at such an early age as well, not just in high school and college anymore, but I'm talking you know even in pre-K and, and, and just elementary school these days. Yeah. And the percentage of people that are getting bullied is just skyrocketing. And does um, that include social media as well? Yeah, no kidding. When you include that, it's even higher, probably. We could probably find out exact statistics with our guest today, and her name is Pam Gockley from the Camel Project. Hello, Pam. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. When I heard what you're all about, I mean, we had to, because it's right up our alley with Attack Life, not others. And you are on a crusade to end bullying. Absolutely. And we we like to say eliminate, uh, because anti-bullying sounds like it might be a choice. We don't think it's a choice anymore. Can I ask you a question? What got you into it? Why? Well, I was bullied as a kid. Okay. And it started early, third grade. And by the time I got to ninth grade, I committed a felony on the school. So I was a bullied kid and then violently became the bully. Okay. What kind of felony did you do? Just to just pick on that. Can I? You mind if I bring that up or no? <laughs> no, that's fine. I I uh, I damaged property. All right, school yeah. property. Well, so you did that because that was your recourse. That was your way of acting out. Hey, I was frustrated. I was angry. Yeah. I was depressed. I was scared. It made total sense to me at my age. Yeah. Obviously, that's not logical, and that's why I think some of the um, educators are not really qualified to deal with this problem. It is totally not logical. You were absorbing all this energy, all this garbage from everybody else, projecting it onto you, and you didn't have an outlet. You didn't know how to expend that energy and get it out in a productive way. I was not taught how to protect myself physically or emotionally. So when I was an undiagnosed dyslexic, I was put in special education classes, and those in, in those days you were excluded from most of the other school activities. Unfortunately, dyslexics are really smart. And I was so angry. I'd look at teacher and and I'd think, you're an idiot because I was... She didn't understand you. uh, Absolutely. I could not communicate the way they were teaching me. And I I couldn't learn the way they were teaching me. And, you know, they weren't speaking to me as I hear. So there was a total disconnect. And it was almost institutional bullying. So in the special ed rooms, and then, of course, the kids had to pick on me and and everybody in that room, and there was nobody saying, knock it off. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Even today at our age, if you don't feel included, if you feel abused, if you feel like you're not loved or cared for, you don't have a lot of choices. Either you are strong enough to continue to try to turn that around, or you remove yourself and you get become a rebel in a sense. A lot of kids will treat love with hate. I mean, if if they don't get love, they will kick back and hate you for it. And kids that are that emotionally traumatized and have some other trauma in their life, um, they don't know how to deal with it. And we're not teaching our kids how to deal emotionally or physically with these problems. No, we're not. So all of that prompted you to form the Camel Project, and that's what you're doing. You're on this mission to teach kids exactly that. Absolutely, because, you know, we we teach to the test under No Child Left Behind. Our schools are funded to do that. Our schools are not funded to teach the relationship skills that we need. Parents aren't doing it. 
You know, no, they're not. I'm calling everybody out. Parents aren't doing it. Uh, corporations are not involved and they're not invested. And, I, you know, somehow we end up blaming the kids, which is really unbelievable to me. And it really kind of me off. Well, Sorry. let me ask you back up a little bit. First of all, the felony committed and the hate that you felt inside. How long did this last? How long? When did when did you finally get it? How old am I? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm no, serious. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no, I still deal with it today. Okay. I mean, it never seriously. Goes, well, that's what I wanted yep. to hear. It never, ever goes away. No, nope, I just... I don't care what anybody says. Nope. It's always a pit in your stomach. And then is there a person or a thing that finally changed you or helped you? Well, my mother was a very strong... Mm. Even though she had her problems, she was raised without a mother. So she wasn't perfect, but... Um, we always had a non-judgmental, safe environment, uh, but unfortunately, she was a divorced parent trying to raise three kids, yeah. you know, before the safety net was in place. And, you know, she was never home. Right. So, <laughs> so there was little to no support, except for she told me one time, and I remember this, she said, you can do whatever you want and you decide. Don't let anybody decide you know, what you're doing. So about seven years ago, she passed away. And I was just hysterical because what am I going to do? Mom was always my support. I kept, you know, woe is me. And then I met a homeless kid. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I have to step up and be that support system for those kids. Look at that. Yeah. So that was about five years ago. Here's the part you're going to love. You don't know about this, Tim, but she has, as we do, she has a series of selves. And Pam, you don't know about this coming from us. So Tim, with his martial arts schools, what he's done long time ago, I'll just give you a brief background history behind it. With martial arts, everybody thinks of it as, you know, very physical and fighting and defense and all of that, which it is. But if you don't have a mental aspect of it and the psychology of it and a philosophy behind it, then it truly is just barbaric fighting. So you had to add those elements. And, and he did that years ago and he created what he calls the six selves. Mm. You want to share what they are? Yeah. The six selves are based on character development mm. and they begin with self-discipline, self-respect, self-control, self-confidence, self-defense, and self-awareness. And then I always tell the kids and myself and the adults to say them backwards. So if you say them backwards, they actually make more sense. Mm. Discipline self, respect self, control self, confident self, defend self, aware self. So all those years, I set them from front to back. If you reverse them, they actually make more sense and they stuck. My wife and I sat down 40 years ago and we wrote them together before we began the project and it took off. And that is our backbone. That's our spine. That's what keeps us going. Now, here's the cool thing with the Camel Project. You've got your own series of selves. I do you do. not? And there's, I think there's only two that are the same. We have self-confidence, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. We have self-love, mm -hmm. self-care, self-kindness. Well, see, they're great. It, it yeah. all it, it all interconnects. Yeah. I think too, you know, you have to look at the uh, the adversary, and you have to look at the the issues that are attacking us. You know, the best offense is to study the defense. The best defense is to study the offense. And sometimes it's a slippery slope out there. But a bully bullies because he can, or right. she can. 
because they're allowed to because the other person is just basically like a, a rabbit trying to cross the street, doesn't know which way to go. Right. And and bullies don't want to fight. They want to win. They just want to win. So, so the, and, and that's part of my issue with the polarized country we're in right now is that it's either win or lose. It's um, kill or be killed. That's crazy. That's a crazy attitude to have. Our kids cannot mentally get that. That's why we have the mass shootings and the suicide attempt. Adults can't get that. So how do we expect children to get that? No, yeah, and, right. and they can talk a good line, but they don't. So if you really watch their words and behaviors, adults don't get it either. Right. They just don't. And, you know, they will argue with you because they think they get it. I mean. Well, there's there's more distractions and there's more battles now than ever to, to keep um, to keep these kids interacting uh, from a, a relationship point of view, to get them out there and put the iPad and the iPhone down, use their eyes, their ears all the senses that they have, the God-given senses that they do have. Well, who, and, gave, who gave them the, that equipment, though? Well, I we mean, we're, Yeah, I mean. It's, it's just like anything else. It's, um, you know, as new things come into this world, uh, we think they're great, and then we find out that down the road, yeah, they're useful, but they're also destructive in a way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me more about the Camel Project. Give me some things that you do specifically with schools, with children, and, and how to change their lives. Well, there's a couple different programs we offer. We have the um, assembly, which is me going in and just talking to the whole school, which we feel in and of itself, by itself, isn't going to work. So we have a set of programs to go into the school or the community youth organizations where we train the staff to have specific classes like we have Name That Attitude so people, kids can understand what their facial expressions look mm -hmm. like. And maybe, you know, maybe they look scared. Maybe they look angry, you know, uh, just for that awareness, posture awareness, uh, tone of your voice. So we do a lot of things that adults do, like for under their leadership. But as for kids, we do a SWOT analysis. But we have to create that really self-nonjudgmental um, uh, space for them to really be uh, comfortable enough to open up. And because I'm a peer... I, under, I get them. And I'm because I'm a dyslexic, I'm a master at behavior, watching what people do. Because I want to be in the room before they enter. And when they walk in the room, I can tell you. I can tell you what the kid is doing or going to do or think. The one that goes sits in the corner. one that makes eye contact. The one that's standing up in mm -hmm. your face. They tell you who they are. That's right. We just have to learn their language. So what we do is we, we teach the staff. We want to work with folks who do physical things. I don't want to teach martial arts. I don't want to learn how to do painting. But there's a lot of different avenues that we bring in as, as a whole um, program. Right. So we're working with the, um, the YMCA in Reading right now. And I told them we provide the support after we train the staff because – our kids are so used to us being inconsistent. They're so used to us just letting things go and not continuing any really vein of thought. So we require them to, to sign a 12-month contract. I said, because we're not going to do this through one cycle of the program and then go away. I'm, I said, I'm not doing it to the kids. Because there's no magic pill. It doesn't happen overnight. Absolutely not. It's consistency. And it's from martial arts or it's from the school, it's from the home, it's from the church, it's from the police officers in our community. So we're really a whole community-based holistic program to bring everybody to the table, parents, yeah. 
everybody in the community. Yeah, it's a really good. It's a it's a great thing you're doing here. Thank you. You know, and and the language is the same. I mean, it wh- is. what we're doing in the martial arts schools. And what you're saying is exactly the antidote. It's what is needed. It's what's necessary. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned about parents and the iPad are, are in, it's an easy thing. It's an easy way to get out. You know, the kids are hyper. Uh, they don't know what to do with themselves. So they throw an iPad. And now all of a sudden it's all fingers and eyes. And the body language at that point, the shoulders are slumped. They're sitting low in a chair. And it's all the wrong things to do. Now, have I done it? Sure. I mean, I, 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 everybody is guilty to a certain amount of using the iPhone. It's all over. It's what we do. But we've got to learn how to use this thing, respect it for what it is, and have its proper place. Absolutely. But definitely. it's just like anything, you know, in moderation. In moderation. Anything is good. In, yeah. in excess and abundance, you know, that's how people drown. Water is great. We need it. But right. too much water, you die. Well, you got to learn to swim. Yeah. Exactly. Or you learn to swim. Just to give you an example, we have a test of children. It could be an age group anywhere from six up to 15 or 16. What we'll do is we'll have all the senseis, the black belts, the teachers. could be a dozen of them standing out in the front. And then the kids who are testing are going through a very physical process, everything from push-ups to exercises and doing their their self-defense techniques or whatever. But at the end, they have to one by one, each one of them has to approach one of the senseis. And these senseis are older and they're teachers, they're coaches, if you want to call them that. And they have to look at them in the eye. And they have to answer the following questions without taking their eyes off the sensei's eyes. And they have to answer with a sense of good vocal skills. They can't just be, well, they have to strong voice, strong eyes, and they have to say it, not moving their hands around. They have to have their hands silent. No fidgeting. No fidgeting. No moving around. And these are the questions we ask. What is your favorite food? What is your favorite book? What is your favorite color? Simple questions, and you should see the dance. Sometimes it takes five minutes, ten minutes, because we'll stop them. You say you got to start over. You moved your eyes. Yeah, they don't know how to communicate. Nope. So, you know, you have to really challenge and watch their reactions before we push too hard because some kids are just not equipped to do that. Yeah, I know. And they need nurtured. But if you're creating a safe environment, you then earn the right to push these kids a little bit further. And that's my concern. People are like, oh, what's wrong with these kids? They just need to be have it beat out of them. Blah, blah. I'm like, wow. Okay, so now we know what's wrong with our children because um, you're frightening me. Um, so, yeah, you really have to create that relationship with them before you can really push. I like what you said, earn the right. Yeah. I mean, I could attest to this. A lot of who I am and what I am is because of this guy right here, because I started training with him when I was 12 years old. That was over 30 years ago. So I just grew up with that. And I have a great family. I had great parents. I, I have great parents. But you need it from an outside source. Mm-hmm. And and he was that to me. And he earned that, like you said, because he pushed me. He knows how to push to your limits without breaking you. Right. And it's really important to understand that people didn't have your type of upbringing. There are kids that are in and out of foster care. There are kids that are homeless. In Berks County, we have over 2,200 homeless kids just in our county. Wow. And now you're telling them to sit up straight and make eye contact. You know, again, you have to earn that right before you can really push that. You have to be able to really read where where the kid is, where the student is. Yeah. And as a dyslexic, if you would have came at me really hard, I would have just either fought back or I would have slithered back into my corner. Right. In the fetal position. Right. So 
somebody that truly knows what they're doing in that position, like you said, a mentor, a good coach, does it without them even knowing that exactly. they're, that the process has already begun. And that's why, kudos to you, you make people commit to this because it doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. I mean, it can't be instilled overnight. It's not like just you upload a program. Right. And, it, and every time somebody doesn't say something in defense of that student, it just makes the student know. Almost like they reset. They're, yep. And they're confirming the kid's fear and they're confirming that the kid's thought process, which is off. So with the silence, when people don't step in or people don't find out or get engaged, and that causes as much damage as, you know, the abuse, verbal abuse. Silence is, I thought in eighth grade, I was invisible. I didn't think I existed. Hmm. You know, I missed like 80 days of school and nobody You didn't think you mattered. Care. Really? I didn't think I existed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it. I mean, the things that you're saying, again, are really connected with what we're trying to do here. I think one of the things that you said is h- how you read a child, um, like you're sitting back and how you read a child, how you can pick up the body language of which child is going to sit in a corner, which child's going to pull his shoulders back and be up front in your face. I think it's also learning sensitivity. And sometimes the only way you can learn sensitivity to teaching and be able to offer all colors, understand all colors, and relate to all colors is to go through it yourself, to be honest with you. And only through that as well as interacting with other people. You can't get learn that stuff from a textbook. You can't learn that from black and white. You got to learn that from getting out, talking to people, and learning the success and failures that go along with relationships. When you say you earned the right, the parents who have a lot earn the right to make sure that they challenge their children to become better than them right. and to do better than them, not just, you know, so, and a lot do, and a lot do. And I teach the fortunate ones. Mm-hmm. I teach the ones that the parents have the money to send them to my school. And the staff that I have is an experienced staff. And we do this and we do it well. But the kids that don't get a chance, I, I pity them. My heart goes out to them. And those those are really the ones we're trying to pick up, the ones that are fall, have fallen through the cracks. And like you said, if you don't haven't gone through this, you cannot understand the illogicalness that comes through their experiences. No, you can't. I don't know if that's a word, actually, but um, it is now. Okay, thank you. Uh, but yeah, and that's where the Camel Project can connect with these kids. But if I see a kid who really wants to take up martial arts, I will fully encourage them to do that, or they want to do painting or you know glass sculpture. But I think really kids are bored. I don't think we're challenging them enough in the right way. We're not. And, you know, it comes back to a project we had. It was called Kids for Kids United. It was a legitimate 501c3 program. And it was made to integrate a bunch of martial arts schools that were in this area. And what we did is we took on kids who couldn't afford it. And we did fundraisers to be able to support the program. And so these kids could come for free. But it failed. It had such a, um, a low success rate. The kids were great. They were age ranges from 5 to 15. And at one time, I think we had, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 kids enrolled within five different martial arts schools. The problem was the parents were overwhelmed. And we did not create and could not create that triangle, a relationship between the child, the parent, and the school. Somewhere it fell apart and it wasn't the school. 
it was either the parent or the child that didn't get them to the program, didn't have the maintenance program showing up twice a week, and it failed. It's hard, and it was really difficult for us to accept that. But um, we had to let it go mm-hmm. because we just kept uh, funding it, and we didn't see the success rate. And so it, you can't expect a nine-year-old to know how to show up all the time if the parents don't show up. And it's yeah. got to be a support system that is built around either a grandparent or a parent or an uncle or somebody, uh, some godfather that's going to help this kid out or godmother. And that's what we're saying. Everybody has to step up to the plate. Yeah. I mean, well, even if it's even if it's a, a house of worship, if it's the police department, the fire department. Right. I mean, it, it a business, you know, business have little to no investment in this community issue that we're having. But. Unfortunately, I have a big mouth, and I will shame anybody to get involved. And we just had our first uh, big fundraiser last night, and we had 70 people mm. show up, and we had a great evening. Good. Well, that's good. Yep. I, I so, wish you all luck, man. I, I do. Yeah, this Thank is fantastic. Um, so the Camel Project, you're based here in Pennsylvania, but, I mean, I can only assume you have hopes to spread this, maybe nationwide. We're going to take over the world, yeah. Steve. <laughs> good for you. God bless. No, I, I, I make a pledge to you. You bring me a child to okay. Hoover Karate okay. that you feel that you're going to get their parent support, mm-hmm. and we will teach them for free. Guaranteed. My word to you. You well, have somebody in our area. Well, why don't we do this? You take the kid, I'll take the parents. Well, that sounds good to me. Maybe that'll be something <laughs> that'll grow for the future. And I'm, we'll teach them. We'll teach them martial arts, and you'll see the most professional teachers, and they will grow in a moving art called the martial arts and learn how to interact, learn how to strengthen within a level of confidence, control, respect, awareness, all the things we talk about. I pledge my word as a businessman in this area. You bring me the child, you take the parents. And we have to work together. And we will. And it's amazing yeah. how some of the nonprofits are, think we're competing. I'm like, I don't want to do all this stuff on my own. We can't. Yeah. We have to build that consistent community around our kids. And it's not their kids, it's our kids. They're not the problem. We're the problem. We have to stop that them. Well, we're going to inherit it down the road anyway. So yep. if we don't fix the problem now, we're going to inherit it down the road. Some, yep. Somewhere, some, somewhat. You know? Yeah, we're going to well, pay for it. Pam, together we're going to change the tide. Like you said, take over the world. Thank you so much for being here. Continued success with what you're doing and keep on doing it. And good talking awesome. to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Steve Mittman social media.com.